We're back to assault your ears with another retrospective, this time of season four of Lower Decks. We are the Lower Dorks. I am Stavros, and... You are? <laughs> I'm not Stavros. I thought that was me. You're Aaron. God, Jesus. And I'm a Stavros. I'm yeah, sure. uh, I feel that's like what it is. So, you know what? I guess we're going <laughs> to dive into this thing, and we'll overanalyze so. our favorite yeah. animated adventures. And you know what? Maybe we've already started a little early on drinking this this fine elixir, Stavros. Tell us so. about it. Yes, yeah, so this is our one of our favorites on the show. It is Old Smokey's Mango Habanero Whiskey. One of my favorites. I actually, when you suggested this drink, I had to buy another bottle because I finished the last one we were drinking when we had this drink before. So always nice to have it in our shelf. It's, it's all good. Yeah, this is one of my old standbys. I usually have a uh, bottle in the old liquor cabinet so I can pour a glass yeah. when it's time to celebrate. It is very delicious. Highly recommend. Although this time it. we were talking before the show, it's uh, it's got a little, it's missing a little bit of the bite. We were yeah. Maybe they changed their peppers or something. Yeah, it's it's a little, it's a little softer. You know, I feel like if this is what yeah. I wanted, I would probably just you know buy some Fireball and save myself yeah. some cash. But you know, maybe it's just a temporary problem, and the recipe will get back to normal, and I'll get that. Sweet, sweet burning sensation that makes me regret my life choices. Or maybe, you know, maybe there's listeners out there that, you know, they've been curious every time you drank it and they're, they've just been a little scared of the habanero. Maybe now's a good time hey, to give it a shot. So that, it's only a mild bite. That, that's a good point. It is much milder. Give it a go if you're, you're not into yeah. the super spicy. But of course, if you're not into the super spicy, I have to ask, what are you doing with your life? Clearly, <laughs> you don't live on the edge. You have problems. Yes. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Rethink your life choices. Anyways, well, let's uh, what, what, let's talk about yeah. season four. What are we doing tonight? Yeah, this is our our Lord. season four oh. retrospective. Oh, where do we even begin? I'm glad you asked. So, going into season four, uh, we made a lot of predictions about season four. Even after seeing the trailer, we made a lot of predictions. And you know what I've learned about predictions? On this show, is that I'm usually right? Absolute trash. No, <laughs> what? That's that's definitely not true. No, <laughs> it's uh, it, I feel like the plots on these seasons are so unpredictable. Like I almost feel like I can't even make any predictions because they will just all turn out to be wrong because the plots are so random and like who who the hell knows what we're gonna see next season? Like why even why even make make uh, predictions because. <laughs> I'm just going to be wrong. I mean, because it's fun, right? That's that's half the fun <laughs> of true. like trying to predict the future and figuring out if you're right or wrong. But you know what? I am going to say more than I think any other season before, I had more correct predictions this season. Ooh. So like we both thought that the Beta Zeds were Hyperions. We were way yeah. wrong on that, right? Definitely not right there. Yeah. I mean, but come on. It's like Monty Python always said, nobody expects Beta Zeds. Wait, is that what they said? <laughs> Beta Zoids. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what they said. Yeah, no. Yeah. Anyways, wait, is Either it that or Borg? Is Nobody it Beta Zoids or is it Beta? I feel like it's probably Beta Zeds for the plural. Beta Zoids, you know? dude. If Beta Zeds, if there were like two of the planet Beta Zed, then there would be two Beta Zeds, but three Beta Zoids. Okay, well, I don't know. But I do want to point out, <laughs> I do want to point out there are a number of things that I got right. I got right that there okay. was going to be a Voyager Museum. 
and okay, that yeah, it was going to be true. infected by the macrovirus. What else is a virus going to do, dude? Not infect something? <sighs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm tearing you down. Get yeah, right the fuck out, Stavros. Right out! <laughs> I correctly Great identified work. the Orion ship that gets attacked by Locarno. Yes, that's we true. were we were way wrong on who the threat was this season. But come on, who could have seen <laughs> Locarno coming? Who could have seen it? I will say there is a hilarious bit in our season four predictions segment where we are trashing on the artwork. <laughs> yes, that was shown in the trailer. Wound up being you know on the right. Vexalon orbital, and that mm-hmm. is hilarious mm-hmm. because that is actually a bit in the show. That's a joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. I feel like that yeah. is a huge win for us. So you know what? We get validated. Let's okay. raise a toast to our self-congratulatory validation of our <laughs> worldviews. Uh, well done, us. Well done, you, at least. No, because we both shit on the artwork. And you know what? <laughs> Agreeing with Ransom is never wrong. Yeah, well, I guess you're right, especially in this season. Okay, well, all right. So we'll do. We'll, maybe we'll do some predictions for season five after all. Then you've you've talked me into it. Always predictions for season five, but we gotta wait till we have like a trailer. I mean, this yeah. this yeah, we need something to go. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah. The retrospective yeah. is our hopes for the next season. The trailer is our predictions. So yeah, yeah. So come on, McMahon, get get that trailer out there. We, we we've got uh, we've <laughs> yeah, got no off season really. to fill here. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> But you mentioned the Locarno metaplot. So let's talk about that a little bit. Did you feel like it worked? Because, you know, kind of similar to what we've seen in the metaplot in previous seasons. Did you not feel like it worked? Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, it's the the introduction of the metaplot because it's it's only very briefly teased in kind of a non-sequitur way to a lot of the other episodes of season. So I liked the metaplot. But as far as like stretching out the teases and making it a longer term thing, uh, I'm less sold on that. It was still really fun episodes, but did it work for like the the tease component that happened in all the earlier episodes? Well, I think this kind of ties into the changing entertainment environment that we're experiencing now, where there is kind of an expectation of serialized storytelling versus episodic. Right. But I am one of those people who I believe there is a place for both, right? I I even think that purely episodic series still have a place in the market. It is not the dominant place that it once had. But I still feel like those sorts of storytelling, that sort of storytelling can definitely still have a place. And it's kind of a choice that you got to make on what you want to do with your series that being said holy hell this series had so many season-long plots going on like yeah and not even like the soft plots of previous seasons you know like tendy or rutherford might have gotten in season one or two where they have like minor character moments that kind of interconnect but like it feels like Every character had a season-long plot that was played out over the episodes. There was the meta plot of the Locarno thing. There was the promotion plot of them getting comfortable in their new roles. There was the Talyn plot of her coming to grips with maybe she does belong on the Cerritos versus 
back on the shovel. That was the name of their previous ship, right? The shovel, <laughs> shovel, shovel. Yeah, exactly. That sounds right. Yeah. God, but yeah, did you did you get that sense that like they really crammed in a lot of overarching plots this season? Yes, yes, I did, and it's you're right. It's not just the Locarno bit because you know there there is a lot of character stuff going on this season too. So yeah, a lot of stuff going on. I feel like it's all done pretty well. It's not like they fumbled any one of those particular things. They're all long term things, and they all. Seemed to, to work pretty well. No, and even your like the the mystery ship Locarno plot that you were kind of like, eh, I don't know if that really worked. It was just these little teases. Yeah. Each one yeah. of those teases grew the overall plot. Because in the first ones, it's just there's a mystery ship. It destroys, yeah. you know, whoever they're attacking. But like as it goes yeah. along, like you get to the Romulan scene where they're like I have a plot that's going to overthrow the captain. And then something happens and you're like, uh, were they involved in that? And then later when you get to the Ferengi, they're like, oh, I've been waiting for this. And it's like, whoa, wait, what? And then the big reveal at the end <laughs> is like the final payoff to that growing storyline. Yeah. I think it worked pretty well. Again, you know, as I say every season, I feel like it takes my sci-fi episodic comedy series a little too seriously <laughs> but you know that's why we're here i that's enjoyed why it. that's why our show exists and and yeah. that's all i care about is enjoying things in life <laughs> what you can't just enjoy life <sighs> that was okay now i see where you're going with that you know i i wish that there was a little more happening maybe with the instead of just teases early on maybe something a little bit more substantial i mean it, it did affect the plot to some degree like that's what triggers you know the visit to agamus and and all that kind of stuff so uh, maybe i just wanted a little bit more happening instead of just like a few quick teases and then the bulk of it happening at the end but that's kind of turned into the calling card of the show is like some light meta plot ha yeah. stuff happening up front and then the big stuff happening in the back. Honestly, it works for me. Not every series needs to be late series DS9 or yeah. Discovery for the yeah, whole series, you know. Sometimes <laughs> right. they can they can be that 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 soft arcs versus the real hard arcs that inform every storytelling decision in every episode. I think that's totally fair. Well, let's talk about the main characters, and you alluded to it already. We're above the Warp Core 4. We're at the Warp Drive 5 now. Warp Drive uh, 5, baby! That's oh, right. shit. And you've got your favorite character, Talyn. And not only is she basically part of the main cast, basically. I mean, she's not in every episode, but she's in there a lot now. She gets basically her own episode with the empathological fallacies. Oh, boy. Think of that. I feel like this hurts my soul to say this, but Talyn is the best character in this season. They wow, do a high praise. fantastic job with the character arc. And I know she's like a dime store Daria archetype. <laughs> yeah. But it works really well for the character and the actress who plays her just... She's good. Yeah, she does a fantastic job. Yeah. There's moments in this season where, like, I kind of question the delivery of, like, a lot of the characters. But Talyn has a lot of really bland lines and having to deliver them in that deadpan. It's got to be tough over and over again. But, yeah, just fantastic throughout the season. Yeah. Great character growth. 
one of the standout moments in the season for me, like comedy moments, mind you, is in, right. I think it's the final episode where she decides to stay on the Cerritos and not return right. to her previous ship and no longer right. pursue that. So she can stay on the Cerritos to become science besties <laughs> with Tendi. Yeah. That delivery is really good. Hangs up on her former captain. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That delivery is really good, but also it ties into like the whole season where Tendi desperately wants to be friends with Talin. <laughs> and there's even yeah. like, you know, just tons of episode where Talin has the connection with the character episodes, right? Where mm-hmm. they, they go through whatever. She gets paired up with everybody, right? She gets paired up with Mariner, with Ransom, yeah. with, or not Ransom, with <laughs> Boimler, <laughs> Rutherford. She never gets paired up with Tendi in a way where it's just the two of them having their adventure right. together. Yeah, the closest we get is, uh, is the Orion episode. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic episode. But. <laughs> Throughout all of that, she always rejects Tendi's advances until that final episode. I just I thought that was really a yeah. great moment. Yeah, Lens in general, it's 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 crazy. Like you mentioned, there's the actress is doing a lot with having to basically remain emotionless the entire time. <laughs> it's really kind of remarkable. So yeah, really well done, see. well done. And honestly, yeah. like I, you know what, I will no longer shit all over the fanboys on the internet <laughs> you're one of them now. i'm not a fanboy get out of here i like the character <laughs> i didn't i didn't fanboy over like a, a freaking one-off character i just never got it in her first appearance uh, but well now you're now you're in on the bandwagon so like i said you just have to accept it don't judge me <laughs> Uh, before we get into too much, because I do, each character has a lot of stuff going on. But I mean, as far as the Warp Drive Five in general, I mean, the big thing here is that they all get promoted um, almost simultaneously. Their jobs and their roles on the ship are basically changing as a result of that. Yes. Um, what do you think of that? I mean, is that changing the tone of the show for you? Is no. It, it's the same. Yeah, a hundred percent. But more than that, it's really good because they use that promotion to reset all of the characters. There's a point in a They're lot of new stuff. Yeah. yeah. There's a point in a lot of TV shows where people have languished in their, their current positions. It's the whole Harry Kim never gets promoted thing where right. it's kind of like it's too much of their recursive behaviors just don't make any sense. But by promoting everybody, they manage to like turn a page in the story of these people's lives. Really well done. And I think they did a great job. I know you didn't like some of it, but uh, for me, it worked really well. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Rewatching it, um, I got a bigger appreciation for it. And I think you said it really well. It We get the same characters, and it's good because we get some advancement of those characters. And they have different jobs to do, so we still get some of the like uncomfortableness that a character like Boimler might experience. But we're getting advancement, and you know, the comedy is still there. Like the all the staples of the show are still there, but we get character advancement at the same time, and that you know makes the show better for it. 
And the fact that every character responds to their promotion differently and they actually do an entire episode for each character about that, really well done. It's, yeah. it's just good storytelling. Yeah. Which, yeah, it's good, good storytelling, man. It's supposed to be a freaking comedy, <laughs> half animated hour comedy animated show. comedy show. <laughs> you know, I was thinking, we, we talked about this uh, in, for the, uh, in the Caves episode uh, that we did, but... I mean, I think the beta shift is the new, like, literal lower deckers. Like, they are the, they are still the ensigns. That, they're, uh, they're like the lower, the lower ship. deckers, right? There was this, <laughs> right. there was the moment in that episode where they, uh, like, mentioned about how, like, being on, you know, Delta shift was Delta shifters, right? They were Delta shift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, is it's not just being lower decks. It's also being the forgotten lower decks people. And it's just. <laughs> Right. It's so or good. One of the characters like I've met the captain five times, <laughs> which is a lot like, more than that for our main cast. The, yeah. the captain is basically the CEO of your ship. How many times yeah. has anyone who works for a large corporation met the CEO of their company? Right. That is totally. not an yeah. unusual thing. <laughs> Completely. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's talk uh, about each character. So I, I want to do Boimler first. And uh, so Boimler is one of my few pet peeves of the show in the sense that his progression has felt all over the place. Season one, he's, you know, just your typical lower decker. Then he goes to the Titan and comes back in season two and he's sort of a badass. Like he knows how to, you know, deal with the holographic Borg and deal with Agamus and stuff like that. So he's sort of a badass. And then I feel like in season three, he kind of regressed a little bit. He's back to being, you know, physical comedy, jokey joke character. But in this season, I mean, he gets promoted, um, and I think we are getting in a good spot with Boimler where he he's having character progression, but he's still, you know, much in the same way that the show is still doing this. He's got his, like, comedy moments, but he's still, but he's tackling new challenges, so it feels fresh and, like, there's progression for Boimler, but we're not losing what makes the, the character entertaining. I actually kind of agree with that, and I did not think that's what you were going to say when we talked about this. <laughs> but one of the things that I think they did a really good job of this season is there's always that risk of having a character, and this is my big complaint about Discovery, is they have characters face the same fundamental problems over and over again and respond to them in the right. same way. Right. And have the same problem, responses. And you're like, yeah. the nice thing about what's going on with Boimler this season is he is experiencing new situations. Now it's not yeah. just him. He's responsible for somebody else, right? And, you know, he does have those ridiculous, just over-the-top moments where he gets stuff. comedy, yeah. ridiculous responses to things. But it's yeah. not like where he faces like the same issues he had in previous seasons. I like right. that Bold Boimler didn't stick around, right? I like <laughs> yeah. that. Like, Thank goodness. Well, I mean, it's one of those things where it's a good bit, but it's like, yeah, the whole bit is that Bold Boimler was not a good fit for him. Right. So I think that works. The real problem they're going to find is that going forward, they can't keep resetting every season, right? Yeah. Now he's in charge of other people. They might get a couple of seasons out of that gag. But what happens in season six? You know? Mm. That's the other issue. Is, the season we get to it. Are they going to keep getting promoted? 
And mm. once that happens, what does that mean? I would love it if lower decks kept going and just over time they phased out the main characters for new characters and the old right. characters like this this like this series is kind of well yeah it's a very intertwined with the senior officers you know your shack your yeah. ransom your right. captain freeman replace those characters with the lower deckers and introduce yeah. new lower deckers that's a good idea it's kind of the uh, the Grey's Anatomy situation. I don't know if you watch that show. I know far too much about it for someone who hasn't seen it in many years. But it's the same thing there, where they the show starts with a group of interns, and then they progress or get killed off, and then they're a new intern. Yeah. So similar thing. And that's a big problem. You can't just stick to the status quo forever, but your character growth has to be believable and intentional. You don't want to have yeah. characters who are stuck in the same moment over and over again and at the same time, you don't want to just write off characters because we don't know what to do with this character anymore. Yeah. And he gets a little bit of a, of the Captain Fever in the finale episode, too. Captain like, Fever? I, I, I felt like him. he was very evened out. Like, his, his mm-hmm. acting Captain moment was fantastic. I loved it. It was great. I loved his, uh, his posture where he's doing the Captain, the intense Captain pose. You know, that ties into something that I I really noticed this season. I've noticed it in other seasons, but this season, it feels like it took it to a next level. The animation in this show is really good. Oh, yeah, totally. Completely. All sorts of like, and it's even like little things, right? One of the things you notice in animation is when people are walking. When, When a normal person walks, their whole body moves right you get shoulders you get hips sway you get hands moving you get legs Mm -hmm. moving even people's heads often develop a weave or a bob and in a lot of animation they just don't animate that but there were scenes where like there's one where they're walking down the hallway and they're like coming straight at the camera and while the actual animation they went with i don't think was the best the fact that they chose to animate that whole body movement was really amazing. I thought that was really good. Yeah, really constantly the the production value has definitely skyrocketed, and that, that those kinds of details are always great, especially yeah. in the uh, the uh, Boopsie episode where they're all of the different you know animals and stuff in the menagerie. Like they all they all animate different ways. It's not like they can reuse animations you know in task style. Yeah, or any of those things. It's all different stuff. So. Love to see it. It's good. And there's even lots of other things where, like, there'll be a scene where everybody's, like, just standing around idly. And they'll do, like, Mm -hmm. the characters, like, fidgeting. There's one scene where Rutherford, he's got his hands on his hips. And he's not really doing much. But you notice, like, his hands are moving. Like, when he starts talking, his his fingers tap on his, his hips. And, you know, there's scenes where people, like, just shift their posture. Although... The shifting the posture when you're standing, that is very much an American thing. I don't think that is like a universal oh, really? human thing. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's weird. And I personally have only <laughs> noticed it in like videos of like other countries. But I've, I've oh. known people who have lived abroad for years. And that is something that they mention is they will notice just That's how American much. Yeah, mm. they call it the American lean. 
Americans <laughs> never just stand up straight. We lean on everything. If there's nothing to lean like the on. Trump lean? Is that what you're talking about? Oh my God. No, the Trump lean is the you have some sort <laughs> of something else. issue. His, you know, I think his is the I've spent so much of my life trying to overinflate my height that it has led to my posture being terrible. But no, like, so, like, when American stands, we tend to stand on one foot, right? Have you ever noticed this with yourself? You tend Sometimes, to put yeah, your sure. weight on one foot and you'll occasionally switch from one foot to the other. Yeah. Or, yeah. like... Is that an American thing? Is that what it is? Supposedly it is. Oh. I, I'd be really intrigued to see if there's ever been a study of this or if there's anybody who's trying to figure out why. But supposedly, mm. yeah. And it's not even just that. Like, you ever notice... You see people in public and there is like a wall nearby. They won't just stand next to the wall. They'll lean on the wall. You have to lean on it. Yeah. And supposedly that's just America. It is not the whole world. (laughs) I'm really intrigued to see if that is true, but I've never made the effort to do like a deep dive into that research. Well, before we get too much more into cultural analysis, Jesus. let's get back yeah, to Yeah, that's right. What were we talking about? Oh, shit. This, this is, is a about Star show, Trek. Right? But yeah, animation A++. Yeah. I got to give them credit. Yeah, yeah. To the point where it's like, I feel like they over-animate to the point where I'm like, you guys didn't need to do that. Uh, I appreciate that, I will guys. never say that. Can't be too much detail. Yeah. Let's go back to back to Boimler for a second. So, I mean, the only other interesting thing about Boimler that we haven't covered already, he's got a little extra screen time with Rutherford, which I don't really think we saw too much of previously because he's got the shared quarters now. Yes. So there's a little bit of that there. And we've got, of course, the twin twins joke, which I think we're going to talk more about later. When we talk yeah. About yeah. Well, jokes so, are like favorite episodes because that, oh, that is well, both, huge for yeah, me. It's in both of those. Yeah, yeah for sure. But, uh, but I mean, using that to segue to Rutherford, I don't think Rutherford really gets that much this season. He's got the badgie episode, but, he, I mean, he doesn't really get any advancement out of that, really, right? He does, though, There's right? Rutherford. It shows a, a little bit. Well, I mean, yeah. the whole shift in his character and his worldview, right? Mm. A lot of people, like... Giving you hugs? Yeah, like, his, his response to, like, badgie's evilness is to say, like, I'm sorry, I know I contributed to that. Which was just, yeah. like, I love that episode on, like, it's just, it's it's such a great direction to take. Yeah. The whole, like, and it was so wholesome, right? Yeah. Star Trek has this really bad habit where they, they have these high moral values and they, they do a lot of, like, we're evolved and we're a better world and we, you know, we work through our problems rather than let them own us. But you you rarely get that level of wholesomeness that happened in a few badgies more, where every storyline, the resolution isn't demanded by like the crew. It's like if you go through these steps, if you find these things, you kind of realize that, hey, maybe all these toxic personality traits and behaviors, they're not good and maybe changing is for the best. And if you recall when he makes Badgie, he it's all he's trying to impress Tendi. So I think that, you know, he's kind of grown and realized the error of that and, you know, taking responsibility. Yeah. So good. You're right. 
Wow, you talked me into respecting my favorite character more than I already do. Yeah. So, I mean, is there, do we have a uh, scheduled Tenderford segment uh, in our. (laughs) Well, we'll do it right now. uh, I think we should. All right. You won me over. Tenderford is a thing. (laughs) It's an inevitability. Oh, my God. Speaking of details, I wasn't even going to mention that. It was not even in my notes, but. You know, right at the end shot, where at the end of the season, let's just talk about him and Tendi now, because, you know, at the end of the, when Tendi gets pulled onto the Orion ship and, uh, you know, it's back on the Cerritos and they're like, hey, you know, don't you want to go like stare at the warp core or whatever? And Rutherford's like, yeah. But then right at the end, when he's walking out of the shot, he's super sad. Out a second. Yeah. So So fantastic writing, fantastic animation. But yeah, you know what totally. that that that's a really well put together um storyline because you know for anybody who's ever like been in love losing a friend is love. rough no. right having somebody leave you yeah. when they're a friend is tough but there is like an extra layer when that relationship is that next level of yeah we are right for each other losing that person is just it's so hard to even like quantify that sense of loss but they did such a great job of portraying it it was really well done because yeah it's obvious that the rest of the lower deckers are yeah they're upset about it yeah it's kind of sad but their friend is alive she's having adventures but rutherford it's an end point. It's different, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, mm-hmm. there was a deeper relationship and it's that lost. And they just do a great job of portraying it. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. And yeah. I, I hate you because everything about this season <laughs> is me <laughs> having to, me having yeah. to be like, I was wrong about my views. <laughs> <sighs> hey, you know, much like, Rutherford, you're growing as a person and accepting, you know, and taking responsibility. And I think it's Rutherford can do it, and you. Can do I it, think it's anyway. less that and more like I had. We, we all have ways when we're watching a story that we hope it goes, and when the writers don't go sure. that direction, there's nothing wrong with that. It's all about whether the story is good or not, and it's good. I mean, they they did a great job of portraying everything, acting, writing, even the animation. You know, it's just, it's really yeah. well put together. Totally. A bit more on Tendi, though. I mean, so she, you know, like we, like I said, she gets picked up by the Orions and she goes to hang out with the Orions for a while. What do you think there? Do you think she's, I mean, it, it seems like it'd be a temporary thing, but I don't know. Are they doing something bigger with her, do you think? Something not Starfleety, like on a permanent basis? Is she gone forever or in the context of the show the ending doesn't make any sense because in something borrowed something green the ending is her reconciling with her sister and them both accepting each other's positions Mm -hmm. but the impetus for her going back to orion is her sister forcing her to do that and that doesn't make sense in the context of what we had seen previously so i'm willing to bet that in you know what is it? Season five is next season. Season five, right? Season five, this is yep. season four. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, you could do math. I knew you could. I just have a hard time remembering what season we're on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like next season is just going to be like there's a reason her sister wanted her to come home, but was unable to say why, mm. 
And that'll get resolved yeah. somewhere in the next season. So you think she'll be back much in the same way that Boimler came back from the Titan? No. I think it is a toss-up. Either she will come back and will restore the status quo, or they'll they'll go to Orion and resolve her storyline and she'll be written out of the season the series as she chooses to remain what? on Orion. I think we can all agree we hope that doesn't happen. I don't care. <laughs> but it is a possibility. I don't care. I just like good <laughs> stories. As long as it's well written. Yeah, as long as it's a good yeah. I have to agree with that. Yeah. Good stories trumps all. So yeah. the only person that I would really be upset if they wrote out was Ransom. Um, <laughs> hey, you know, Jerry O'Connell's busy doing Pictionary, so who knows if he'll have time for Commander Ransom next season. Oh, who knows? Shut your mouth. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on to the last Lower Decker, the last of the Warp Drive 5, and that's Mariner, of course. Um, and holy crap, we get all this character development for her. Happens over several episodes. Uh, we get to the root of why she acts like she does is because she's uh, affected by what happened to uh, Ensign Cito Jaxa in, in Next Gen, which she gets unceremoniously killed by Cardassians off screen, I believe. So finally, the backup there. I, the, the favorite, my favorite part of this is still the Klingon counseling session where Ma'a still, you know, basically identifies the issue and gets her to act like a. I was going to say like a normal human, but he gets her through her problem, basically. Yeah, I really enjoy, like, that episode is actually really down on my list of episodes from this season, as far as quality goes, or as far as my enjoyment goes. Mm. That mm-hmm. moment, though, that, that counseling session, like I like it's to good. say, is eh, freaking Klingon Captain still a better counselor than Miglebo. <laughs> Have we seen Miglimo be effective, though, ever? Apparently he's doing well with Boimler. Uh, Yeah, Boimler likes it, at least. That doesn't Um. necessarily mean anything. (laughs) But I really enjoy that scene. But the rest of the episode, I'm just kind of meh on. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. But that, like, so a big element is that is actually kind of a, it's not even really a retcon, right? Because every season we get a new explanation of Mariner's issues. Issues. Problem with yeah, like you know, in the first season it was you know her mother is the captain of the ship, and the only reason she's still in Starfleet is because they're her and her father are protecting her, and then you get oh yeah, well you know she also had this. God, I don't even remember what the other bad experiences she had, right? But every season, it feels like there's a new thing with her. Mm, I see what you mean. I, it feels like it's kind of the Boimler trap, right? Like they, you know, they want they they do certain things to progress her character, but she still kind of gets stuck in this rebellion against authority character trope. Yeah. And now, I mean. You know, he's, he's, she's, they've sort of figured it out, maybe again. Uh, you and know what? We'll see and, if that makes her advance. That's going to be the problem with next season. Do they try to reset right. the status quo and give her a new thing that she rebels against? Because, but yeah. you know what? That's the truth about people, though. A lot of times, like, we want to simplify people and say, oh, yeah, you know, 
your mother didn't love you enough, so therefore <laughs> you are not an effective adult. But it's like, man, people are complicated. A lot of stories happen in their life that lead them to being where they are. And it's one of those yeah. things where it's just like, I actually think it's pretty good of, you know, Mariner is a Starfleet kid. There's this guy, Stephen Chives, who does Chives, Shives, who does these okay. things on his YouTube channel where he portrays a Starfleet, like not somebody we've seen on screen. Like he's done the yeah. Starfleet JAG officer video and the Starfleet <laughs> guidance counselor. And <laughs> okay. it's one of those things where he does these bits that are just really good where it's all like these things have to exist that we've never seen before. And right. he points out all the ridiculousness that we see throughout the series. And as far as Mariner's concerned, like, yeah, being a Starfleet kid has got to be rough. And she grew up in what is most likely one of the most chaotic times in Starfleet yeah. history. You know, it's kind of or like how we, and all that. yeah, it's kind of like how we came up in one of the most secure and safe times in American history. Right. But there are people who didn't, and that's got to mess with a person, you know? So you're trying to say that she, you know, just because they resolved the cause, that doesn't mean she's going to change as a person. And we're probably going to get a lot more Mariner flavor. Well, and the thing is, like, I like to say people never really change. And what I mean by that is on a fundamental level. And one of the things you see throughout the series is Mariner is like this, this like true blue best ideals person, right? She's kind of like Ransom in sure. that way. Only Ransom has been reined in by the system. You know, <laughs> she's all like. And yet you're still on board with him. I fucking love Ransom. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Favorite character. Like, she sees a problem and she recognizes what she can do to help resolve it. So she does it, you know. She tries to help mm-hmm. people. She wants people to be better. You know, one of the best moments in this season is where Boimler talks about how he's not ready for promotion. And he doesn't deserve it. And she's all like, nah, I totally recommended you for that. Because if there's anybody yeah. who does deserve it, it's you. And it's like, yeah, that is really great characterization. It's just really well mm-hmm. done. Yeah, gosh. It's, it's so hard to make a call on how, how exactly she'll be next season. Just based on all this. Yeah. So, my personal view is that we'll get more Mariner flavor. But how reined in is she going to be? Is she going to start cooperating with Ransom, who is giving her the superior officer support that she really needs, you know, we'll see how that all plays out. Do you have, do you have a guess as to a, a hypothesis as to what you think is going to happen? Not a guess, but a hope. I, I genuinely okay. hope that as the series goes along, every character finds their niche and Mariner is never going to be a captain. She is never going to be the person in charge, but mm. She's going to be that, you know, first officer or that, you know, lieutenant commander who is integral in helping people along their journey. Like, we, we totally tend to discount those people, those people who are never going to be right for command, but yeah. they are right for helping people become them best selves. Become, yeah, kind of like Ransom is doing for her, right? Selves. Yes, 
Only I think yeah. Ransom is is definitely right for command because he can you know meter himself to <laughs> yeah to fill those other roles <laughs> that you have to do when you're in charge. And I really hope that like yeah. that is like what gets portrayed. That eventually you know Boimler goes on to become the captain of a ship. That eventually Tendi does become a chief science officer. That Rutherford right. does become. A chief engineer. Or, you know, I mean, I think Rutherford will probably, like, his long-term storyline should not even be he becomes a chief engineer on a starship. Genuinely think he should wind up going back to, you know, Utopia Planitia and help design Build new starships. Yeah. yeah. Like, I feel like mm. that's probably closer to him. And I could totally see yeah. Tandy winding up just, like, following him and becoming some, like, chief science officer for, you know... Starfleet sciences on Earth or whatever. Yeah, totally. Wow, so insightful. I'm I'm awed by your insight. I I've just I'm just sitting here mouth the gate being like and just nodding, being like, yes, everything you're saying is right. Oh yeah, thanks, dude. I, I appreciate that. I knew it was gonna happen at some point. You couldn't stay wrong the entire time we had this show. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I am always right. <laughs> Uh, are we missing anything about characters? I, we didn't really talk about the senior officers at all, but anything stick out to you that we should cover before we move on? So let's see. We talked about Tendi. We talked about Mariner. We talked about Boimler. We talked about how Rutherford doesn't really move that much. This, Oh, yeah. right. No, there is actually somebody we need to talk about. Okay. I mean, he's... I know he's not a fan favorite. I know that like he doesn't get a lot of screen time, at least not as much as he should. And he's kind okay. of, you know, he's, he's a controversial character. But I really think we, and I know I don't talk about this character a lot. You know, he's kind of a side character. But I really uh -huh. think we need to talk about Jack Ransom. <laughs> <laughs> yes, what about him? Uh, I was so enthralled, and now I'm just... All that's out the window. All right. You know what? So first <laughs> off, like there's moments where like, I feel like he's getting like a character assassination this season. Okay. Like, oh my God. Like getting shot down hardcore by the, uh, Betazoid ambassadors. Betazoids. And yeah. that's fine. You know, I mean, we've all been shot down before. That's why you, uh, sure. that's why you lay your game in a wide arc, right? <laughs> Castle wide net, yeah, sure. But you just you don't like how he reacted to that. I mean, he what? To be fair, he was under the influence of telepathic. But he winds up crying to Stevens, <laughs> which if there's anyone you're gonna cry to, don't cry to Stevens. Ah oh, man, like even Miglimo would be better than Stevens. Miglimo oh, was busy in that scene, as I recall, destroying replicators. Well, yeah, so. because you know his soup didn't taste regurgitated, and can you blame him? <laughs> right. But then yeah, all I'm saying is that Big Limo was occupied and it was extenuating circumstances. By the end of the episode, Ransom is naked crying under a table. Like, ah, oh, come on. <laughs> and then, He's not doing your boy any favors. Yeah, no. And then there's the whole uh, in the cradle of Vexalon bit where he yeah. says that Mariner is not going to be his problem much longer. But it's all like, right. why phrase it that way? Like, yeah. Nobody would say it that way unless they were trying to cause yeah. that episode conflict. Yeah, Lower Decks has done that before where they've kind of purposefully done a super obvious red herring just to cause drama. Kind of the uh, the sitcom sort of thing. Yeah, the whole oh. 
you know, they have a cell phone thing, right? Where it's all like, there's an obvious solution to this problem if they just use it. Yeah. And then the statue's gag, which while is hilarious, is like also just... Doesn't do doesn't do him any favors. No, doesn't. Yeah. But you know what? I think the fact that we also banged on the statues in our trailer analysis kind of shows that, yeah, yeah. He, was, he was a little right. But yeah, just like, and it's weird too. Like, I remember like thinking back to this up, this whole season and being all like, just feels like a character assassination for Ransom. But like on rewatch, I'm like, eh, there's really only a few moments that are just, yeah. Oh God, what the hell, Ransom? I do want to call out one thing though. <laughs> and maybe I should save this for our gags bit, but uh-huh. did you notice he did the, uh, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Juniors? Yes. That's our bit. Episode, we did he... a whole yeah. bit about that, and then <laughs> it shows up. So either, either I, I firmly believe that somebody on the writing staff is listening to our show and just stealing our bits <laughs> because there's no way that we are that basic that we're just throwing no. out the most obvious <laughs> gags. No, uh, I noticed that in my rewatch too. When they get promoted, they say Lieutenant Junior Grades, or maybe Captain Freeman says it. I can't remember who exactly. Then the very next episode, Ransom makes the observation of like Lieutenant's Junior Grade, which is the right way. But then I think that's just a symptom of having multiple writers. They just they just didn't know. Well, you know, no, I assume that they did know, and somebody on the writing <laughs> staff is listening to our show. And if you are listening to our show, <laughs> if you choose to believe that, hey, you got yeah. two fantastic characters waiting for edition. <laughs> and they they both drink mango flavored whiskey apparently <laughs> okay uh let's move on, let's, to, let's move on to the joke yeah, what, yeah oh is that what's next on our line the yeah that is, that is what's next oh boy so yeah so let's talk about our favorite jokes or gags i i have a top one but i also want to mention some runner ups because there are just so damn many in this show in this season rather and they're just <laughs> they're all just so solid I just looking at my list now. I'm just like, ah, that one's so good. Ah, that one's so good. But let's see, runner ups. I, I, let's say I'll do two or three runner ups. The first runner up is the buzzer collector lights in the Boimler uh, in Boimler's quarters for Boimler Rutherford. In I have no bones and I must flee. I don't know why it was so funny. Just having like the the light that's so blinding and the fact that Boimler didn't know the very simple thing about putting the shades down and my head cannon for that is because he's never had a room before it. So he's never had to use it just makes it funny. Well, yeah. And it's also the whole, it's so obvious, right? Like it's one of those <laughs> things where you live in a society that cares about people. And that is a really terrible situation to be in. And there's a really simple solution, yeah. right? Like just <laughs> right. put shades on that the makes window. It funny. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's the hilarious <laughs> bit. It works really well. Yeah, it did yeah. not make my list of even honorable mentions. Oh, okay. Interesting. But yeah, I, I, there's going to be lots of variants in this. Yeah, list. definitely. Definitely. So what are your other honorable mentions? My other runner runners up. Let's see. In empathological fallacies, uh, where Talyn says she is Vulcan as a mother effer. I thought that was pretty funny. That didn't even um, make my list. Right I did not find really? that very funny. Wow. Yeah. Wow, you're insane. Well, this one, my next, my final runner-up before I get to my winner is something that you've got to have picked up on from it's made two appearances in something borrowed, something green, and in old friends, new planets. It's the twin twins gag. I love this one. Something just like the randomness of it, with like somehow it works with both roommate disputes 
and disputes between alien cultures. Well, this makes it great. It actually, so it's actually kind of funny. That is actually my number one gag. Um, oh, really? Okay, yeah. Because in the episode it appears in, they use it really well. It works great for yeah. Boimler and Rutherford because they're into this concept and they can get into character. And yeah. then they're banned from doing it, but they have that end scene where they just choose a new right. character <laughs> and it works out fine, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. then, you know, and the whole like attempt at the Chalnoth and Captain Freeman failing is fantastic. <laughs> but and then it's so good. It gets reused. Yeah. In old friends, yeah. new planets. And it's so, <laughs> so hilarious. Like I am, I, I just, and I, I may have mentioned this to you before, but like, I desperately hope that that shows up again. And I think dis- the final season of Discovery is the best place to do it. Where like. Your twin twins. Well, uh, not even twin twins. Twin, 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 but like, Hey, you know, they have to have this negotiation and they're really concerned that like, just that gulf between their two cultures is never going to be bridgeable. And they're like, okay, Mm -hmm. so the solution to this is you need to send us an ambassador who also has acting experience. Yeah. And then they send okay. them like some sort of like alien cultural information. And that is how the issue gets resolved was they both show up to this negotiation and they have to pretend to be during the negotiation, this, you know, Tellarite or Romulan or yeah, Devorian yeah. ambassador, right? And that actually works. I really think that would be a really just fantastic moment in the series to turn this completely ridiculous comedy moment into a serious thing. And so, and you know, it's one of these things where I'm going to, I'm going to go like off IP here. There is actually an episode of Doctor Who. Where that is how they resolve the problem. There is an invasion force of shapeshifters. And they are attempting to take over Earth. And the resolution to the problem is these shapeshifters, if they don't succeed, they're just going to die off. Right? Their home world. I don't remember if it's destroyed or what. And the resolution to that episode is the doctor erases their memories. To the point where the only thing they can't remember is whether or not they are a shapeshifter or imposter or whether they are the true person. <laughs> okay. So when they yeah, show up. The issue. Yeah, well, because if you show up mm-hmm. to that, because the big thing about the shapeshifters is they kind of like collected all of the memories of that other person. And the resolution to that, mm-hmm. that, that conflict was if you show up, and you have all the memories of the humans and the aliens that are interacting here, but you don't mm-hmm. know whether you're a human or an alien, you will create the perfect compromise because you don't know mm-hmm. when you walk away from here, whether you will drawing. be returning yeah. to the human society or the alien society. And it's just, 
It's a fantastic story, and I really think the twin twaining bit really, like, espouses that concept. I really hope it shows up again. It's great. Yeah, definitely a fantastic bit. Usable in comedy and non-comedy applications. Well. It's good. But even that is not just an honorable mention. My favorite gag. Really? That is your honorable mention? Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So my favorite one is from an episode that is almost dead last in my episode list. It's from Tuvix. Can you guess which one it is? From oh, boy. You're going to make me make a list here. Um, <laughs> God, it, it, it's, is it the pat you're on your head gag? No, although that one is quite good. Though that didn't make my list. God, there's so many in this. Episode. I know, right? <laughs> it's ridiculous. If you recall in Tuvix... The two vixed people. Oh, it's not the fish gag, is it? <laughs> it oh, is the fish why gag. Why is that your number one? <laughs> it was Stevens. Stevens messed with a beluga. And he just goes, "I want fish." <laughs> Makes me laugh every time. It's the dumbest thing, but I think it made me laugh the hardest in my rewatch. And uh, so I'm going with that one. God, there was even really that is your number one. <laughs> like yeah. there are better gags in that episode. No, well, I mean, maybe you know what the the whole did you just pat me on the head bit? <laughs> that one's great. I did Boiler's yeah. response. Yeah, it felt weird to me too. Bye. Oh God, Bye. so good. <laughs> There's uh, so many good ones. Yeah, and the fact that that is not your number one kills me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Twin Twins is your top one, but did you have any other honorable mentions we didn't talk about already? I mean, we're. I mean, how much time do we have? I could go for days. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. we've already talked about the statues gag that I loved. Yes, the statues, yeah. And I love the fact that, like, even after he's pointed to, like, what their their best statues are, yeah. <laughs> Ransom is all like, and just an amateur lack of focus and balance. Like, you don't know. Is that, like, his <laughs> honest opinion? Or does he just yeah. refuse <laughs> just to accept that he, you know, got played? <laughs> oh, God. So, like... The Mariner getting stabbed gag. You know, and this isn't even like my top gags, but it's Mm -hmm. one of those where it could have been. Because like that whole running gag throughout that episode, you know, she gets stabbed. She's like, oh, no, this is fine. This is great. And she gets stabbed again. She's like, oh, what the hell? And then in the final stabbing, she's like, I'm just going to, I'm going to hide over here in this knife fight so I don't get stabbed. (laughs) And she gets stabbed and it's hilarious. Yeah, it's so funny. But the problem is missed opportunities <laughs> in the finale, right? What? Not the finale in um, what is it? Old friends, new planets? Is that the one? No, inner fight. Inner fight. Yes, inner fight. Glass. Yeah, it rains glass, and Maa gets <laughs> stabbed first. It should have been Mariner. And she should have been like, oh, I thought I was past this or something like that. (laughs) Would have been great. Missed opportunity. Yeah, definitely missed opportunity. (laughs) They started the season with the I miss my wife gag where it happens in a couple Mm, of episodes. But I don't think it ever comes up again. And it it bugs me because like every season there's been like a season long thing that I've caught on to. uh, Like the eye patch thing. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was going to be it. The I miss it. my wife mm. gag. Yeah. But it wasn't. And never I returned. never found a season long bit that, that carried through. And that, that saddens me. I'm deeply, Alas. deeply wounded. Oh man, I've still got more to go here. I'm only like halfway through my list. 
<laughs> Do you have others? Did you did you not bring up other the pockets gag? The pockets that's also in my uh, in my top list, but it didn't quite break the top five. Really, I love that joke too. God, so the gag right. is so good. Like, yeah. Did you know? Oh, God. Captain, did you know? And it's funny because we talk about that all the time, and I feel <laughs> like like I don't know if we've done it on this show, but I know we've had the conversation in our rewatches where I'm all like, you know what yeah. I love about the Enterprise uniforms? They have pockets. Zipper pockets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that gag really, really hit home for me. I love that one. And there's really only two other ones. There's the bomb paywall, which is so oh, yes. Ferengi. <laughs> but not only that is very Ferengi and hilarious, is like now whenever like I encounter paywalls in real life or situations <laughs> where like the only way to resolve a situation is to pay money yeah. to somebody. I just, I yeah. can't think about that. I cannot think about that where I'm just like, oh, this yeah, is just like, yeah, this is, this is so Ferengi. <laughs> like, yeah. are we living in a dystopian Ferengi society? Uh, <laughs> yeah, fantastic. I love it. Um, a lot of good. God, they're just so many. It's hard to, it's hard to just narrow it down. And you know what? Since, since this is lower dorks where we uh, drink and talk about Star Trek, I feel like there is one mm-hmm. bit that I cannot ignore. Okay, which one? Parth Ferengi's heart place. When oh yes, Mariner and what's his name? Quim is that his name? Quim. What's his name? The like yeah, her Ferengi friend. They go to mm-hmm. get you know get lit. Mm-hmm. There's the moment where she is ordering drinks, right? And the Ferengi is realizing that there's something really wrong here, but she orders drinks. And then when the bartender walks away, she takes a drink. And the Ferengi immediately responds with like, wait a minute. How did you get yeah, that? Yeah, where did that come? <laughs> yeah. It's so well done. It's such a great lampshade yeah. and a call out on like bad storytelling and animation. <laughs> right. And it's one Very of those. deep cut. Like one of the deepest. So well done. Like a deepest cut on the art form. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just can't say how much I love that bit. Honestly. Yeah. If it wasn't for the twining bit that spans episodes, Ooh, boy, I uh, got a little bit of the uh, hiccups, <laughs> little little mango hiccups. <laughs> if it wasn't for the twining bit, I would probably rank that as my number one. I don't know why oh, that yeah. really speaks to me. <laughs> yeah, you know, I want fish, and you want random. Bottles of alcohol, so I think that says a lot. Apparently, about fish is your thing. I'm not going to judge you. <laughs> Apparently, oh, uh, let's move on to uh, to our episode, favorite episodes of this season. So, before we get into it, I have to say I I tried to rank these as I watched them. I had a very very difficult time. There are no real duds this season. Yeah, like like that was my big problem, right? I feel like at yeah. some point we had talked about like what the worst episode of this season was, and like I just yeah. I couldn't decide. It's difficult. There, yeah. there is no a mathematically perfect redemption in this season. Yeah, yeah. You know, hilariously, I my so my I'm gonna go to my, the bottom of my list. The bottom my my bottom episode is I have no bones and I must flee. But you know what? <laughs> it makes me think that episode has Moopsie in it, and Moopsie did not make any of our favorite gag lists for some reason, <laughs> which is like well, weird because it's like the top internet joke yeah, about this entire and you and we love moopsie like it's just love such Moopsie. a ridiculous concept i loved the idea <laughs> of I, you know what that's another thing though that we got wrong in our predictions the humans in the cage 
They were not yes. the psychic humans. Yeah, that's true. But they're just randos. That episode just like it wasn't bad though. Is the thing like yeah. there's no bad episodes like, in this and, season. And we even talk about like oh yeah the Moopsy plot line, you know, um, in the menagerie that bit not right. great, but like. And I don't know which one was the A plot or the B plot, but the plot on the Cerritos with Boimler was fantastic. Yeah. So all that meant to say, I just take that to to, to mean that it was very difficult making my, Dude, my ranking lists for this season. You know, it's funny when I when I started making my list, your number one was actually down near the bottom of my list. Really? Yeah. Is it still there? Is, is the big question? No. On rewatch, I moved it way up. Oh uh, yeah, and there, there's reasons for that. So let's let's talk yeah. about your number one. Yeah. So my number one is caves, and the reason for that is um, I felt like this is pretty much the quintessential season four Lord X episode. We've got the warp core four together. There's no Talin in that uh, episode. They're kind of doing like this reminiscing slash how to say it's like they're they're talking about their new responsibilities because they've been promoted. And they're all they're all back on a mission together, which is great. And they are talking, you know, about these recent missions that they've done without the other people because you know they're promoted. They do different stuff now. So having that as you know the 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 core content of the episode, and then the like the theme being like we're best bros, like friends forever, you know lying unconscious on the, the floor of the turbo lift after getting hammered. It just is hitting like, it's hitting like the jokes and the feels. And, you know, plus what I was saying before about the Delta shift being like the newer lower deckers, you get a little bit of that in there too. Plus the whole caves joke where it's like the, you know, like a quintessential setting for a Star Trek show. It's just hitting all of these boxes. And I, I wasn't that impressed the first time I watched it. To be honest, I mean, it was funny, but, you know, maybe not the best. But after a rewatch and seeing how it checked all of these boxes is just just the best one. I thought it was the, top, the headliner. Yeah. And there's little bits all throughout the episode, right? Like the whole like mm-hmm. conspiracy theory bit, the yeah. introduction and payoff of the Vendorian morality test. Yeah. Just it all works together really well. I also love clip shows. Where all of the clips they show are <laughs> things that never happened. I know like, it's great. <laughs> it's it's just it's a really good episode, and that was originally yeah. well down on my list. But like on rewatch, I'm yeah. all like, you know, no, this episode. Actually, while yeah. it's not as yeah. funny as other episodes, while it doesn't really, it's not like hard arc episode. Everything works. It's it's a soft arc episode where they deal with like their changing circumstances. It's the humor is much more of a dry humor. Um, The stories they tell are just really good and enjoyable. So yeah, it definitely like on rewatch just jumped up several pages. It's crazy that we both kind of had it lower on our list on first watch, but then rewatch it jumps up quite a bit. Yes, yes, definitely. But anyway, that's my number one. You mentioned something else is your number one. What is your lead episode? Something Borrowed. Ooh, nice. That's my number two. Yes. 
And wow. so obviously it, it originates my favorite gag in the episode that gets paid off in another episode. And I love when <laughs> gags do that, right? Where yeah. like in a lot of times you don't even pick up on it on first watch. And I really enjoyed that. The twin gag is hard to miss. It definitely, you yeah. don't miss it on first watch. It does something that I really love uh, in TV shows. It does a gender role swap. Like it or not, yeah. Well, not even just with the wedding, right? But you know, like it or not, we live in a world where there are certain gender role expectations, and this episode does a great job. Where like Talyn is off. Well, actually, not even just Talyn, but the rest, the female warp drive five, are all put off by Boimler and Rutherford's emotional closeness. Yeah, to quote Talyn. And yeah. like that is a role reversal, right? It's supposed to be that, yeah. you know, the women are the ones who are, are emotionally close, even though I don't think like either of those are true in the real world. Yeah. I really like that uh, role reversal. But even then, like you said, when we see the Orion culture where the standard you know societal roles are reversed where you know instead of a patriarchy it's a matriarchy right really well done they do like there's there's a bunch of really great gra- gags like when Bert I can love the naming convention yeah, by Bert. the way they're just all just like very normal American names and they just throw an apostrophe <laughs> in there fantastic because that is such a Star Trek trope that nobody ever talks about where when they want to do an alien name, it's actually just an obscure human name. Um, <laughs> but like that is fantastic. And that exploration of Orion culture that, you know, you've never seen. It's, it's something that's alien, but familiar is really, really well done. Yeah. As I mentioned, the, uh, recurring Mariner getting stabbed is fantastic. Yeah. It just, mm-hmm. you know, failed to pay off in later episodes. There is actually There's one not a trans episode thing. Yeah, there there is one bit that I didn't talk about for great gags, and that is when Captain Freeman mentions about how the Chalnoth is very intimidating, and he's like, "Oh, thank you." It's that that very <laughs> sweet and like heartfelt response. That's just oh my god, also good comic good jokes gold. In there for sure. The episode is just fantastic. It's, you know, it's got a really strong A and B plot that works really well together thematically. Yeah. That, that is definitely my number one. Cannot say enough about how good that episode is. I got to agree on all points. It's my number two. It's a strong number two. All my top three, my top three were Caves, Something Borrowed, and Parth Ferengi's Heart Place. They're all so good. All this, all the episodes this season, like I'm looking at the episode list. They all have really great gags and, and plots and pretty much all of them. It was so hard to make this list. Yeah. This is definitely, I think this may be the first season where there wasn't an episode where I'm all like, yeah, this episode is just, it's in a different tier than the rest of the episodes. Right. <laughs> all of them were just definitely A tier or even S tier. It's it's just fantastic. That's great. Uh, anything else on episodes? I, I mean, like I said, each one of them has something good. Does anything else stand out to you? You know, I mean, I mean, there's tons of stuff. I actually have about half my notes. <laughs> this is the first season. <laughs> I think this is even our first uh, recording where, like, I had more notes than you. 
<laughs> yes, that's true. Oh my god, there's so many great, great bits in here. Um, do we just want to go with the random mentions portion? And yeah, yeah anything can... random you want to call out? Oh god, where to begin? There's so much. So in in Tuvix, there is a moment where the curator is all like, "Are you chewing gum?" And it's <laughs> right. Oh my god, I so. I feel like that I got really it's always sunny in Philadelphia vibes. There's an episode where one of the characters calls out another character on chewing gum. But is that the first time we've seen somebody chewing gum in the show? Um, so it's funny you mentioned that. I have the uh <laughs> Memory Alpha has an entry for chewing gum. Really? And uh it it does show up, but very rarely and it's always almost always a joke. I well, I'm gonna have to check that out now because I definitely did not check that out, <laughs> which is weird because I did a lot of memory alpha checking in preparation yeah. for this this episode, but I felt like this was the first time we've seen it. Yeah, the one that stands out to me is uh, in a next gen episode. Someone gives Doctor Crusher gum and then she eats it. She swallows it. Oh, jeez, recall that? <laughs> I oh my god, I don't. Yeah. And then there's a an, an Enterprise bingo in Spock Amok in Strange New Worlds. Apparently, there is a challenge to use the transporter to flip reflavor gum. So it it has it has its random rare appearances. Yeah, no, that is true. I feel like <laughs> the the Beverly Crusher one doesn't count because if I recall correctly, that is a holodeck episode. Yes, yes, it and is. it's one of those where I'm all like. You know, I feel like holodeck stories, unless they're trying to create like a documentary story, like you probably wouldn't have that kind of detail in there, unless it's relevant <laughs> to the plot of whatever story yeah, you're I telling. Think you're right. Some world building. Yes. You know, I do want to call out, and I don't know if we've seen this before. So obviously, Ransom, favorite character, A plus plus, dude deserves a medal. Yeah. <laughs> Did you true. notice how he responds to door chimes? Oh, he doesn't say something normal. He says something goofy. Right? Well, so like we've seen come and enter and I don't even yeah. remember what the other things that people have said are. He responds to door chimes with yo, yo. And yo, yo. <laughs> I remember saying that immediately like, oh my God, like that is the kind of thing like I know if there were door chimes now, I would respond to them with what it is, what it is, because I would go for the most ridiculous thing possible. And I feel like that is very much what was happening there. Yeah. I don't know why I just stuck on that. I don't think we've seen him respond that way previously, but mm. you know, I, I really enjoyed it. That's a good one. So, another random bits. Yeah, I mean, another thing yeah. is uh, a lot of new lore was introduced in this uh, season. Okay. Little bits and pieces of, you know, how the galaxy works. You know, there was the whole, you know, Romulan bits that were just fantastic. Where, right. <laughs> like, every time they appear, it's all about scheming <laughs> and lurching. <laughs> of and course. So well put yeah. together. But you know what? What would... Yeah. There was one bit of lore that was introduced that was terrible. Do you do you did you catch it? For Romulans? Well, just for like or new Star Trek in lore general? in general, yes. No, what is it? Cations used to hunt and eat betazoids. 
<laughs> you're not a you're not on board with that one. I just I have so many questions. Like they didn't come from the same planet, right? Which means right. the only way that makes sense is if that happened after Cations had become a warp capable society, or vice and, versa, right? After Betazoids could have been first. You think like Betazoids came to the Cation planet? And Cations yeah, just like they like, made a colony there, and Cations are just like, oh hey, new food source. Yeah, but even <laughs> then, like that means that like Cations <laughs> were like primitive, you know, society yeah. when the Betazoids showed up there. Which means that you know, Cations may even have a claim to being way faster in their development than humans, right? Because that's the whole big thing in Star Trek mm. since Enterprise is humans developed technologically and socially way faster than other cultures. Right. Maybe the Betazoids did some uplifting after the Cations, like in order to get the Cations to stop eating them? Maybe. Like did a little uplift? So many questions. There's some drama there? Yeah, so many questions. Mm. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, are we going to keep going through my my life? Yeah, what else, what do you got? Let's get <sighs> Okay. So, god, in Parth Ferengi's heart place. There's lots of little bits that like they did a really fantastic job of subtle lore building. And I don't know if this is intentional, but Mariner and was his name Quim? Is that what it was? They go Wait, to like the that. Dominion War Memorial. Yes, that's funny. It's 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 Good a one. great gag, you know, about like how the Ferengi were mourning lost prophets, and when she she arrives there, when when Mariner arrives there, she's like, yeah, okay, that's very Ferengi. Mm. But she is a war veteran. She lost a tremendous amount of her friends and. That, like, we talk about the Cedo Jacks a bit, right? But that is right. just the first step in her trauma. The second step mm. was the Dominion War, where she talks about she doesn't want to be in charge and she doesn't want to have to send people off to die like right. they did in the Dominion War. So that scene, God, that adds so much more context when you learn that she was traumatized by the Dominion War. Yeah. She is very much a Nog-style character who didn't emerge from the war without any terrible experiences. And I just, I thought that was really... Where's the Starfleet counseling, man? Yeah. She needs uh, somebody besides Miglimo. That's well, I mean, counseling can only go so <laughs> far. It's easy to vilify. It's easy to vilify counselors and therapy, but sometimes, like, Dealing with trauma is just, it's a process. And a lot yeah. of people, they never truly get over it. Yeah, right about that. Which is why drugs. It's good. Drugs character always real. solve the problem. <laughs> that is not true. Obviously. That is not true. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, God, that's that's the main thrust of it. I don't think we ever really talked about how, but no, we talked about how much I enjoyed A Few Badges more. Yeah. I really loved the ending. Uh, it's it's super wholesome. It's one of those things that like yeah. there is there's positive endings to stories, and then there's positive endings that are positive on like a meta level. So Badgie is a homicidal maniac until he mm -hmm. gains infinite knowledge, 
And once he sees everything, once he knows everything, suddenly his outlook changes. And yeah, like killing people isn't a good idea. Revenge doesn't bring anything to the galaxy. Yeah. It's it's a great ending. The connection between Agamus and Peanut Hamper, uh, where Agamus like accepts that his situation is a consequence of his own actions and chooses to pursue yeah. a resolution that takes that into context. Um, the fact that Peanut Hamper, you know, just opens her, you know, mind to, I've always rejected these things, but I've never really tried them. It's, it's just really good. It's like this very, it casts a wide net as far as moral and ethical and personal implications. And I just thought that was really well done. Very bizarre. I got to agree. There's, there's a lot of, I, I'm, I'm trying to find the right word to describe it. It's like, it's not a jokey plot, right? Like there are these serious, you know, personal evolution elements to that episode, even though it's like we said, a murderous hologram and his creator. Yeah. There's all of these higher tier things going on too. Well, and it's also one of those where like, I always like stories that lay foundation and then pay off in the end. Whereas mm. like stories where it's just like a steady progression where it's all like, I am moving towards a thing. Yeah, those are good. I like those stories, but like, where they just keep throwing things at you and then at the end it all comes together and works well. I love those stories. I always think those are like so much harder stories to tell. And that is what that episode really did. I just really impressed by that episode. It's, it's definitely up near the top of my favorites. Yeah. But man, it's, it's really hard to overcome Twin Twins. <laughs> you're right about that (laughs) and the other interesting thing about that episode is it gives us a possibly new recurring character on the cerritos in the form of goodgy so there is more jack brayer mcbrayer in your uh season five possibly coming we'll see if they do anything with that and honestly i don't care if they do or don't if that's the end (laughs) as long as it's a good story that's your motto yeah uh as long as it's a good story i do kind of like they're going to have to start new stories next season, right? They resolve so yeah. many things in this series, in this season. It's weird. It felt like a trans, like a transitional season, maybe like they're getting used to their new roles. You're right. Something's going to need to change. I hope. I mean, and not just plot wise, like character wise. Well, there's going to need to be new stuff. I definitely feel like there's definitely room for the characters going forward. I think the addition of Talyn is really going to work out going forward because it gives them an extra fulcrum point in their character interactions. But right. yeah, I mean like they got a long way to go. Like Boimler still has issues. Mariner, despite having identified the source of her issues, has a long ways to go. Room, right? Yeah. Like yeah. literally the only character that like I look at this uh season and be like, I don't know where they're gonna go with this character without it turning into a tired, hacky bit, is Rutherford. (laughs) Mm. I feel like this, like, unless they could probably do a whole season-long arc of him dealing with why he rejected so many promotions and getting him to kind of, like, accept his own 
excellence and making choices yeah. that feed into that, that could be an arc for him. But like the others, yeah, they got a long ways to go. I'd say he he suffers from. Well, I, I use I say suffer, but he seems to have the least amount of straight up ambition. I mean, Mariner says she wants to be you know a lower decker forever, but I mean. He just doesn't want certain responsibilities. I don't know. I, I think Rutherford really is the one that doesn't seem to want. He's not gunning for a chief engineer spot. Yeah, that that so is far. very true. And I feel like that's going to leave a really good character moment. Like one of the things a lot of yeah. people uh, like I've noticed in like, and it may just be an American thing, but especially in like American business culture. You have to be career minded. You have to be looking to your mm-hmm. your next big promotion or move or whatever. And it's all like, right. you know, let people pursue what makes them happy. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but then also pays the bills. Well, you know, maybe we should make <laughs> it so that any person who contributes to society is afforded. You know what? We're we're gonna we're going off topic. I'm gonna get. Us, <laughs> we're getting into a, crit- a critique of capitalism, which uh, we can I, I'm, I'm gonna get. Us, I'm gonna get canceled with my you know <laughs> liberal ideals Maybe. here. They could happen. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> do you have any other rando bits and pieces? I mean, before I just mention a couple. You know what? I do, but like all, I think I've really covered everything that I wanted to cover this this season. There was yeah. so much to enjoy about it. Yeah, I yeah. There's just so much to talk about. I mean, look at how long we've been <laughs> recording for, and you'll see that there's just a lot there. Uh, but just a couple of things I wanted to mention. I loved the the Wrath of Khan uh, shot for shot recreations in Old Friends New Planets. Um, it's weird because it doesn't fit. Like it, they they sort of crowbarred it in. Like I mean, it fits in the plot, but it's not like the the whole rest of the episode is a Wrath of Khan uh, reference or anything like that. But so they they have it in there. Um, just really high production value. Uh, you know, I love the the little steam runner, uh, what they call the saber runner ship. And it's just so great. I love that sequence so much. Um, uh, somebody really took the care in recreating some of those shots and I loved it. They've done a great job with like the space visuals are really good. And that scene, yeah, they're great. Like the whole, like not even, it starts way before that. Right. Like as yeah. soon as she steals that ship, there's the impact with the barrier. There is yeah. the, you know, cat and mouse in the ice field. Uh, I kind of actually yeah. felt like almost like there was like a feeling of visually there's influence from this like just terrible. I guess it's not really terrible, but an animated movie Titan A, right? Oh, yeah. There was mm-hmm. just a stylistic callback to there, but like. Yeah, the the whole engagement really there's there's like just shot for shot remakes from the Wrath of Khan. Only the ships yeah. are replaced. And speaking of ships, that was my other piece of feedback. Holy God, there are so many ships in this season. I tried to when I was when I was doing my rewatch, I tried to just pause and because I I, could, I did it last season. I pulled, I got you know, I was cataloging all the ships that appeared here. But, oh, my God, there are so many not only existing ships designs, but new ship designs, dude, background dude, ships. Dude, our, our, so our ships of season four episode is definitely <laughs> going to be at least a two-parter. Yeah. There's yeah. so much be beefy one. to talk about in yeah. this season. It is going to be interesting. Yeah. I hope we even – it's going to be – this is a monumental 
task of, of doing a ship's episode. Oh, so God, yeah. I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it and dreading it because I know I'm going to have to catalog all these bad boys. Oh, and, uh, definitely. But it's going to be fun. Definitely. I love so many of the ships, so it's going to be fun. But you know what? You know, we're talking about how many uh, ships there were in this season. You know what? Yeah. There, there's, there's not a lot of right now, though. Mm. Booze. I'm in the same situation. I, yeah, I've been yeah, out for a little while. Yeah, now. and you know, my cup uh, is a little empty, and I was thinking, oh, it's fine. Just go back to the bottle and get another drink. And it's not really an option. I, <laughs> I may or may not have run out an hour ago. Oh no. So, you know, I guess since since my bottle is empty and I feel like you're on the same page, maybe it's time mm-hmm. that we call it a night. And since it's the off season, we'll probably have another episode sometime about what, who okay. knows, when, who knows. But if you're <laughs> dying to know, you can always check us out on... On the X. X. The artist farm formerly known as Twitter. At Lower Dorks. Or, if you are so inclined and simply desire to deep dive into any season, you can find a man struggling with trying to rank episodes. Is that just me or is that both of us? Dude, I'm fine. I don't need to rank things. You're the one who has to create lists, dude. This is all on you. <laughs> That's true. The eternal quest of trying to find number one. Yeah, dude, you just gotta learn to roll with it. Take it as it is. 